What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. But wouldn't that drive you out of Reagan? It would bring us together. Listeners, my name is Chris. And I'm Kate, and this is the first ever meeting of the Nightlight Horror Movie Club, where we review a different horror movie every week and discuss story, production, reception, and relevance in pop culture. Yeah, and heads up to anyone who plans on listening to our show and hasn't seen some of the movies that we're going to be talking about. We're going to spoil them. We're going to talk about all the juicy details that happen at the beginning and the end of these films. So and the if middle. You wanted- and the middle, even. So if you wanted to know what's going on um, before you listen to, I highly recommend that you watch the movies along with us. Yeah, I agree. But that's why you picked a really good one for the first one. Oh, yeah. So this week, we're going to be doing The Exorcist, which is like the big daddy of horror films, in my humble the big opinion. big daddy. <laughs> it is, you know, we're, we're, we, we both watched different versions of it. I watched the 1973 original release and... Kate, listened to the... You watched the 2000 release, yeah? Uh, you informed me that I did. I didn't realize that I did. <laughs> but they're still like the same core film. It's correct? mostly the same movie, okay. but they're, they're a little bit different. I think it's okay. like 12 minutes difference. Oh. But yeah. so yeah, so today we're going to be talking about The Exorcist. But first, I guess we should introduce ourselves a little bit more. Okay. I mean, so, sure. sure. So we are two fourth-year veterinary students and best what? friends <laughs> who happen to be living on opposite sides of the country. We also have very different levels of enthusiasm for horror movies in the horror genre. So what do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) So I may consider myself a horror enthusiast. And I would never say that about myself. (laughs) Yeah, so first spoiler alert, everyone. I hate horror films. (laughs) So why am I doing this, you might ask? Uh, Lonely. So I'm lonely, and Kate is manipulative. <laughs> so lonely. But we're going to have a fun time regardless, and I'm going to make you watch a lot of scary movies, and it's going to be delightful for me, at least. It's going to be painful for me, mostly. Um, I can't wait to hear what you thought of this one. But that's fine. This one wasn't that bad, though. If I was going to start off with a scary movie, for someone who doesn't watch scary movies, I don't think it's... Well, well, guess we'll get to that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely thought this one was going to be a lot worse. Um, than it actually ended up being really it's 45 years old which helped which helped a lot (laughs) but i didn't watch the 45 year old version so i watched yeah so it was effectively terrifying so you want to start us off with our genre yeah so i would classify the exorcist as a classic horror you know it's it's, it like like we said it's 45 years old it's it's an old horror film, and it's really... It's a household name. Yeah, when you think about horror films, it's one of the first ones that it, at least comes to my mind. Like, that's this is the horror film that scared my parents. This is the horror film that my that my mother talks about and says, you know, I'm never watching that one again. Um, so this is, yeah, this is like classic horror. It's not really slasher. It's not really gory. You know, it's... This is... OG horror, which is not what we're going to be covering every week. We're going to jump around. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to try to I can only take so much... <laughs> yeah, I can only take I can only take so much horror in general. <laughs> well, you know? you're in trouble because we're doing this weekly. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, you know, some previous perceptions of the film. Um, 
basically, I mean, I, I tried to talk to some people who were alive then, because I was not, <laughs> um, <laughs> about what this film was going to be. And, you know, and it came out, um, it, it premiered just a few days after Christmas, 1973. And I think, I mean, everyone knew it was going to be kind of scary, you know, like on the advertisements that they had for this film, you know, they're they had this quote saying like, hey, remember, it's just a movie. You know, it's not real. Don't get too scared about it, which I think is an interesting approach for advertising a horror film. That makes me more scared of it. Yeah. And, and nowadays, we're, you know, it's like Christmas Day. Someone's going to kill your grandmother. You know? like, <laughs> that's so how scary. that's how we advertise horror films nowadays. And it's always around Christmas. And I don't YouTube ads that you can't skip. Yeah, exactly. What is that uh, should be illegal. It should be it should be illegal, but, but this yeah. is the world we live in. I can't imagine <laughs> if this had like pop up ads back in nineteen forty five. Like people would be hospitalized. People hundred percent would have. And you know what? And like people basically were after watching it. Um I, I, I talked to my mom about when she watched this in nineteen seventy three and people people vomited in the movie theater. Yeah. You know, people They started fainted. handing out um barf bags in movie theaters. Yeah. yeah. People like walked out of this film. They, they walked out of it and right into the nearest church that they could find <laughs> um, after watching this after watching this film and I, th- I I don't know what it was that um that scared people so much I it, whether it was because they all really believed that they were going to become possessed by demons or if it was just the the special effects of it because I mean remember it's 1973 so I think the effects that they had for this were actually pretty impressive for the time yeah I don't know if it's because I watched like the remastered version but like I was actually pretty impressed i was too watching watching the og version i was i was actually pretty impressed with what they managed to do and a lot of it was still pretty cheesy you know like yes the way that the furniture moved on its own i was like yeah. okay okay I, okay there's a demon in the room and but in the glowing eyes and the the pea soup vomit that she produces i like that i okay i was promised Way more vomit than that. I thought there was going to be vomit everywhere. I was expecting, you know, like those water sprinklers that are like click, 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 click. Oh, I was yeah, expecting yeah. that with her head spinning <laughs> and just vomit. And it wasn't that. And I was honestly a little disappointed. Yeah. So, I mean, so again, if you haven't seen the film or you you, you should, I think I think this film's actually worth watching. Um, not because it's good, but not because, because it's you know, good. it's like it's, it, it's true. It's like a historic landmark of a film, I guess. It's like why you should watch Casablanca, but, you know, with vomit. It's Casablanca. Yeah, with vomit. everyone tells you, oh, it's all this vomit. It's super gross and scary. Literally, Chris like, handled it fine. Vomit drools out of her mouth onto this priest. Well, she shoots <laughs> like, it in his mouth. Let's not. <laughs> she shoots it right <laughs> in his face. I mean, she does. She does vomit multiple times, but it happens differently. Um, the director, who after doing a lot of reading, is kind of an asshole. Not told surprised. the priest, Father K, um, it's fine. Like we're gonna shoot some pea soup at your chest. <laughs> and then oh. he aimed at his face and so they only had to do that take once because his reaction was you know he got pea soup blasted in his mouth so that's super so, disgusting yeah. also fired handguns on set behind the actors to get them to like to, to, to scare, scare them? them okay so this movie is so messed up it's on so, so many up. levels this is just, you all need to understand yeah this that. is just the surface it's super disturbing and the way that the way that people received this film afterwards was Essentially what you'd expect. Everyone was terrified of it. You know, apparently tons of people were like pseudo converting to Mm -hmm. Catholicism immediately after this film because and it is kind of unusual, right? Like usually horror nowadays, you think of the priest as being 
the one that you expect to end up being evil. He's always the end up guy who ends up being possessed by yeah, the devil. True. I don't know. I don't know a lot about no, horror films. No, that's true. Be but like, if we're gonna go ahead and skip to the end of this movie, okay, I'll get there later. I mean, the the, the point being though that like you know the priests were the heroes. Yeah, they were. In this film, you know, and there was a lot of them. There were a lot of priests in this film. I didn't expect that. At least five. Yeah, at least five, and they end up being sort of the superheroes. They're the ones who you know they believe the mom. Well, well, some of them believe the mom when she's saying that something's wrong with her daughter. And they're the ones who, you know, perform the exorcism that, you know, does what modern medicine couldn't. So a lot of people, you know, it sort of did paint Catholicism in this heroic light, even though I think a lot of people on the Catholic side of things didn't perceive this film all that well. Right. Understandably. Understandably. (laughs) But I think probably what one of the most interesting interpretations of the film that I read while I was reading up on it um, was actually written by this guy, Dr. Tim Snelson, (laughs) who is a media history professor at the University of East Anglia. Um, And he talked about this film saying that what it actually was, it's not about religion per se. It's not about demonic possession or carnal instincts or anything like that. It's about puberty. Oh, he said, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, and apparently a okay. lot of people interpreted this film that way, that the what it actually is, is just a big allegory for this girl coming into all of these desires and behaviors that their parents see as demonic. So, you know, one of the first things that the little girl does when she becomes truly possessed by the demon is she demands for this older man to, to have sex with her. And she starts cursing at her mom and she urinates inappropriately, all things that we did when we first you know, came into puberty. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Urinating inappropriately? I'm just saying I think it happens. Yeah. I think it Okay. All right. No, I'm really I'm really disturbed by this interpretation because who are these people who actually thought that this was an allegory for puberty? And I get it. I like I, I get it. She's a teenager. She starts becoming sex crazed. She starts cursing at people. She starts moving furniture. She starts killing people and throwing them out of her windows. Puberty. Normal, like, n- normal puberty. preteen teen transitional stuff. Yeah. Puberty. Puberty. <laughs> but how messed up do you have to be to think that that's what this movie is about? You know, like the people who believe that they went through puberty. Do they do this stuff? I'm I'm worried. I want to go give every single one of those people a hug because <laughs> Snelson. Dr. Snelson. It's okay. And I'm really what, sorry. I don't know. What I don't know happened. what your puberty was like, but <laughs> mine was different. <laughs> and I and you know, it he means it more as like a metaphorical interpretation being, you know, where the the parent looks at their child and they're like, "Who is this kid?" Who is this isn't my daughter. I know my daughter and this is not how my daughter behaves. Like, I get it. That's how parents Um, respond when their children start going through puberty. But but we don't generally assume that our children are possessed by the devil. Generally, no. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, if you're going to follow that metaphor, though, then what does the exorcism represent? The exorcism is coming back to Jesus in your family, I imagine. So puberty was shying away from Jesus? sort of a tangent to that interpretation is that (laughs) no is that um when this movie came out was sort of at the same time that you know second wave feminism was becoming really big and we had this big counterculture of you know women saying weird shit like hey we deserve equal pay and stuff like that (laughs) stuff that you know was apparently quite controversial weird shit and so part of the concern that a lot of parents had at the time was that their children were being corrupted and tainted by this second wave feminism, you know, 
counterculture that this movie essentially represented what was happening. You know, this little girl essentially became a feminist. (laughs) Oh, my God. And started taking command of her own body by masturbating with a crucifix. Is that what we're going to call that? So, no. And that was easily, in my opinion, the worst part of the movie. That was the... No, no. Disagree. But it was pretty bad. It was... I mean, it was pretty bad. She was stabbing herself Uh, in the vagina uh, with a crucifix. It was bad. It was out of nowhere. I hated everything about that moment. (laughs) I didn't appreciate that moment. And her weird, like, musky demon voice. Oh, I have so much to say about that. Shall I just go straight into analyzing this whole movie please do because i have so much to say okay so basically this is like it's a fictional movie but it's also inspired by a very popular fictional book which are quote-unquote inspired by real events so Mm -hmm. i i I really like that but i wanted to talk about these real events because i was very very curious about this the true story of the exorcist is based on it's not a little girl it was a little boy um, in mm-hmm. the 1940s, and his name was, well, I guess his pseudonym was Roland Doe. He was 14, and he was, like, allegedly possessed. But it's kind of a boring story. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. But it does start pretty much the same with the Ouija board. So basically, he had this Aunt Harriet who introduced him to the Ouija board. And he was like, cool, thanks, Aunt Harriet. She's like, no problem. Then she dies. Fatal mistake. Well, oh, she, dies. <laughs> she dies. She dies. <throat> after... His, he was very close to his aunt, and, like, after his aunt's death, the family started experiencing, like, the strange noises, the furniture moving, um, things like that. Um, and so they consulted a pastor, um, Luther Mile Schulz. He came in, and he saw the boy and was like, Neh. And then he advised they see an actual priest, like a Catholic priest. So then Edward Hughes, who was a Roman Catholic priest, conducted exorcisms on Roland at Georgetown University, which is where this film is set. Mm-hmm, right. And basically, while he was at, it was at the hospital. It was the university hospital. And while he was there, this priest is trying to do one of his several exorcisms on this boy. And the kid reaches underneath the bed, breaks off a bed spring, and like basically slashes this dude <laughs> from like wrist to elbow <laughs> with oh this spring. I know. With a bed spring? With a bed spring. There's no graceful way to rip a bed spring up. How do you do that I fast enough? You'll <laughs> have to. Uh, you'll have to get possessed and find out. And so will do. Will do. So then they were like, all right, we're going to stop the exorcism because I'm actively bleeding. They go to St. Louis, where I guess apparently I feel really bad for this person. It's like the little kid's cousin goes to school at St. Louis University. And so they're like, hey, can we come stay with you? <laughs> and so she's with, my, like, with your demon possessed yes! cousin. She's like, who just in almost school. killed a priest. Yes. Oh my gosh. As a student, I really feel for her. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's finals week. My demon-possessed <laughs> cousin's coming to stay. It's going to be fine, though. It's going to be fine. They, so they go to St. Louis University, and then they see this other professor there whose name is like Raymond J. Bishop. And mm-hmm. this is where it gets kind of funky. This is such a disturbing story. And, and, I, and I really don't like that it's based on a true story because that's what makes movies like this scary actually scary i think you know like monster movies are whatever like they're scary they jump out at you and what and that's and that's what it is it's just a scare factor kind of thing but like the thing about demon possession and like paranormal stuff like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say i believe in it but i would say that i'm i have a healthy level of skepticism for pretty much everything which then means that i have like a healthy amount of yeah it could be real for pretty much everything like i'm gonna keep so- my distance 
Yeah, just like, in case. I don't I don't play around with demon stuff. Sure. Like, That's Oh wait, you don't use Ouija boards, right? Oh, of course not. Who do you think I am? Everyone use it's a kid's toy. So fun fact everybody, Ouija oh. boards are not kids' toys. They are they kids' toys. They're portals to the afterlife, <laughs> and people die because of it. And this movie is a phenomenal explanation of oh my why god, that's what it is. I okay. Although that part of the movie didn't really make sense to me, right? Because which so, part? Basically, all of it. So I think th- the main reason why I actually don't like this movie is that it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it starts out in Iraq, where this guy who ends up turns out being a priest. They don't explain that for a they long time. They don't explain that, yeah. They just kind <laughs> He's of... like digging around in some tombs for some unknown reason. I literally thought I had downloaded the wrong movie. I was so confused. I was like, where are we? I hear like Arabic. I'm very confused about this language that I'm hearing. What is going on? And then basically the first, you know, 10 minutes of this film is just a guy walking around looking really dazed in the desert with this little sculpture of a head that he thinks is evil. <laughs> And then he stands in front of a large statue of a demon with a very prominent erection while some dogs fight. And that's the opener. Yeah. You know, like. Which no one talks about when they talk about the exorcist. They never mention it again. No. Yeah. They, <laughs> they don't. They don't bring they that up again. It. And and you, it the, the way they set up the movie is it seems like he's going to bring the demon back from wherever he is in the Middle East to America. And then that's not what happens. It's just like a little girl finds a Ouija board in the closet of this weird house that they're staying in slash living in. I'm still confused uh, if they even live I there think or not. She's living in it while they're getting their L.A. house fixed. Yeah, it's very confusing. It's but very confusing. And ultimately, privileged. I think that this movie is not all that great just because it doesn't explain anything that it, I, it sets up all these things and mm, then it doesn't follow through. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll agree with it. Those things get kind of dropped. I'll agree mm-hmm. with that. But I'm going to argue with you in a minute about well, I think there's actually some decent meat on this bone for this. Movie. All right. All right. So, okay, but bring us back to St. Louis. Oh, okay. What's going on? What's going school? on in St. Louis is basically they get in touch with one of this their cousin's professors who's Father Bishop. Um, and the bishop talks to his friend, um, who I think is another priest. His name is Bowdern. And then they consult with this other priest named Reinhardt. And then they consult. Oh, wait, no. He was the president of the university. And then they consult oh with, like, the archbishop of the of St. Louis. And it's Joseph Ritter. And so all these old men agree that, yeah, we should probably perform an exorcism. Which is a big deal, right? Like, that's not something that people do. Yes, and that's the other thing, is, like, exorcisms, as they kind of address in the movie, weren't really a thing at this point. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that. When the, when the mom asked uh, Father Karras to perform the exorcism, he said, well, first I would have to transport her back to the 16th century. Exactly, because that's whenever that. they, like, first wrote, literally wrote the book on, like, exorcism and, like, the rules right. of it. And so all these people agreeing, yeah, we should probably perform an exorcism on this kid was kind of a very big deal. And so they chose Bowdern to be the lead exorcist. And he knew, like, nothing about it. Oh. Yes. So basically, he, like, just kind of hit the books, read as much as he could. This guy was, like, a World War II veteran. And he was, like, very religious and, like, very tough. So they picked him. And basically, (laughs) they would try to do an exorcism on a nightly basis. And it never worked. For how long? How long did they do this for? Un- unclear. But oh, gosh. many attempts, many nightly attempts. And, but honestly, like, it didn't... What they described, like, in the actual, like, literature about 
like the actual documents of what this kid was doing actually didn't sound that bad. Like no pea soup. Like he would just like it would happen at night. Like he would be normal during the day, would go put on his pajamas, go to bed and then just like go into a trance and start screaming and acting all crazy, Mm -hmm. which doesn't sound like anything to me. But it was a different time. So we're going to do an exorcism, obviously. Go ahead and rule Mm -hmm. that out. So now. Who who in the real story actually recommended doing the exorcism in the first place? Because that was one of the things I thought was really interesting about the film is that she goes through all of these psychiatrists, all of these physicians, hospital after hospital, trying to figure out what's wrong with her daughter. And then eventually she just ends up at this asylum, for lack of a better word, yeah. where this entire table, like this council of MDs essentially tell her, you know, have you considered exorcism because we can't fix your daughter? And And how, okay, I have so many opinions about that as well. Yeah. So their reasoning is, wait, no, I'm, I'm going to finish the story because I'm going to okay. go on a okay. tangent about this because I have some opinions on that. Um, so basically, they try to convert the kid to Catholicism, to Catholicism. Oh, and the more like as they got closer to his first communion, it got worse. Oh, so like he was being possessed in an attempt to avoid, I guess, ex- yeah, like he was just extra possessed. And so, but then after, like, it was like the day after Easter Sunday, suddenly he was all better and everything was fine, I guess. After everything, he just, like, had an it ha- just had Easter Sunday like, and then he's better. Very anticlimactic. He just stopped. Stopped hmm. thrashing and being weird. Yeah, I can see how that's not good for cinema. That's not, <laughs> it's kind of, it's not kind of a, enough. That's kind to... of a boring story, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is really disappointing. Like, there's no actual, like evidence there's no like he didn't even do anything cool like he just slashed up one priest oh he only did it to one priest just to one i know what's the point well you know what william friedkin friedkin the director he he read this book and he's like you know what this needs gallons of pea soup (laughs) (laughs) that is what this is missing okay so there was this other jesuit scholar who was studying at st louis and he was also the driver for this bowdern guy and so he would drive in places. And one night, Bowdern asked this dude, Halloran, to drive him and another Jesuit to a dinner. And um, he pulled up to the house. And then Bowdern turned to him and was just like, okay, I'm going to be doing an exorcism. Uh, and I want you to hold the boy down in case it's needed. Casual. <laughs> and then the, I guess they just did some exorcisms, converted him, and all was fine. But they jumped to that early. But let's see, when did this actually, what's the timeline for this? It was like 49, I think, Hmm. 1949. So they jumped to exorcism pretty fast. Like there's not even really much mention that I could find of like, I mean, it's medical records, so there's not going to be much mention of that, obviously, for like HIPAA reasons, but there's not much talk about it, even just like from the family or anything like that about if they, because in the movie, they're like, they almost, like almost to a fault seem to be really pursuing like a medical cause. Even before they start pursuing, like, a mental cause, which kind of pissed me off a little bit. Oh, sure. Right. Like, they got so they got so hooked on this idea that there yes. was a lesion, quote unquote, in the temporal lobe. In the lobe. temporal lobe. That temporal lobe lesion. Yeah. When multiple arteriograms, which it was kind of fascinating watching them go through that whole process. It was kind of disturbing. Like, in the 70s? Them. In the 70s, it was weird watching Very them put different. in like an arterial catheter. That was gross. Without anesthesia. Without anesthesia. Then, <laughs> they're just without... like, hold still, kid. Like, I don't know what they do in human medicine. <laughs> I, hope it's I don't not know. That. But 
I'm pretty sure it's not that. I, I would really hope that it's not that. They're just like ar- putting ar- in arterial catheters and 12-year-old girls who are thrashing like that's her main symptom yeah thrashing (laughs) okay and then and it was it was interesting watching them go through that medical procedure and it was it was interesting watching them try to do it you know before the days of mri and all that kind of stuff but i do think it's really bizarre that they would be so so fixated on this idea that there's like oh a temporal lobe lesion right which is silly right because even nowadays we know that you know idiopathic epilepsy you know, conditions like that. They don't even discuss epilepsy. Which, they don't even discuss, Which yeah, the which church is, is really, disturbing. like, even the Catholic church themselves, they redid all the rules in 99, but even before that, they were like, have you thought about epilepsy before right. you have call you, us? Have you ruled out all of these kind exactly. of things? And it, and it is interesting that the doctor is kind of like, well, it looks like a temporal lobe lesion. End of discussion. End of you know, discussion. Like, Let's keep doing diagnostics for that thing. She even says... Can we see a psychiatrist? And they're basically like, no. It's like, well, you could, couldn't you? But like, what do they know, right? What do they know? <laughs> She's got bad humors. She's got bad <laughs> humors. That was actually my first thought when they were like putting in the catheter. I'm like, oh my God, are they draining her? What is I, I didn't, I almost, I <laughs> thought it was a bloodletting right for like now? two seconds. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned one of the doctors, well, the whole team of doctors rather, whenever they bring up is your daughter religious? Are you religious? Like, we think this mm-hmm. is silly, but if she, if this is in her brain that she's possessed, maybe go ahead and do an exorcism and, like, see if it helps her. Like, not from the religious aspect of it, but, like, from, like, the, psycho- like, the psychology Right, they were it. saying it's, like, a psychogenic thing. Like, if she believes she's possessed, yeah. making, maybe making her believe that she's no longer possessed will resolve the symptoms. Which kind is of idea. so very much not what you're supposed to do. Super disturbing. Super not what you're supposed to. So I actually read, there's this one guy who's like a very vocal um, skeptic of exorcism. Um, His name is Stephen Novella. He's a neurologist and a professor of medicine at Yale. And Mm -hmm. basically, and I quote, he says, the worst thing you can do to a patient who is delusional is to confirm their delusions. So telling a patient who is struggling... That maybe that maybe you are possessed by a demon. Maybe maybe there is a demon in it's, your <laughs> exact. It's literally the worst thing that you can do. Which totally makes sense, right? Yes. Like why would? Oh my gosh! If this little girl just thought she was possessed, which obviously wasn't the scenario, right? Because the mom and the little girl clearly that was never in their headspace until the doctors suggested it, right? You know, the, yeah. I, the mom was actually probably the last one to come to the whole. Mm, maybe it's a demon. She yeah she was well which. To be fair, in this movie, was a shortcoming. But IRL, right? Yeah, <laughs> in real not life, yeah, really gonna be that way. But you know, there are there are also like Ivy League educated people, like medical psychiatrists, who do believe in exorcisms. Well, yeah, and, and like I said, I'm I I think I personally have a healthy skepticism for a, for pretty much everything. But I'm not gonna say that they don't work. I'm gonna you know? I'm gonna say they don't work. I'll go ahead and I'll I think say it would be it. I think it would be difficult to prove one way or the other, you know? I will say so the author of the book. First the 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 author of the book who was just saying the retelling of actually what happened to this Robbie kid. Mm-hmm. He straight up says like there's no proof. There's no actual proof of this. This is just a retelling. There's like nothing had been ruled out like yeah we found some marks on his body nobody checked his fingernails and the doctors are like oh yeah like maybe he did those himself didn't think about that oh my gosh and like none of his strength was like crazy like he didn't snap anyone's head around 
Which definitely happens in the film. Which definitely happens in the film. P.S. P.S. But we don't see it. So We don't see it, which is disappointing. issue again with that part of the film where it's like there's this guy burke who uh, apparently is the director of the film which i did not realize for the longest time that apparently the mom is like maybe romantically interested in apparently at some point he goes up into the girl's room and is he apparently jumps out of the window rolls literally a block down the street down the staircase (laughs) (laughs) and ends up at the bottom with his head twisted all the way around everyone takes it real well everyone's like oh that's fascinating well he's a drunk did the girl see anything? Maybe? And like, <laughs> everyone in the audience is, the girl did it. Hello. <laughs> like the girl snapped this guy's head and then pushed him out of the window. No, they're just like, he he drinks. That's just the end of it. We didn't see that event. We didn't see his body afterwards. I For the longest time, I was wondering, it. I'm like, did it even happen? Did it even happen? And before I realized that Burke was the director, I was convinced that we had never seen him alive or dead. I was convinced oh my that they just made this character up out of nowhere. To be fair, I was crunching a lot of tortilla chips while I was watching this movie. And so I missed <laughs> I missed a few names here or there. But they said, like, Burke's dead. And I was like... Who's Burke? I don't care. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, literally the only thing I knew about Burke when they said that was that he was apparently the guy that the mom was maybe dating yeah he was the guy who was like drunk at that party and like insulting people and like maybe mentioning that they were involved in the holocaust yeah he was the one calling everyone else an anti-semitic which yeah you know it's the 70s he was probably right he was probably Uh, right it's true but that's all we knew about him and i didn't even know that that was his name (laughs) no i did because i don't care about him as a character it's true well so but that's that's kind of the thing though right is you don't I feel like I don't care so much about any of them as characters. Mm. None of none of them got fleshed out very much, you know? Like, none of them got any significant amount of character development. I Okay. Father Karras did. Did Karras get very much character development? Yeah, I he mean, totally did. Like, I all mean, that stuff with like, his mom. And I thought, I don't know. I thought that I thought he was more fleshed out than anyone. And then I think that the mom actually was pretty... Mm. I thought she was a really good actor. I didn't care about her as a character very much, except for like one very specific moment. Because, you know, the whole the whole movie is her wailing about her daughter, which is fair. Like, okay, your daughter's like possessed and like stabbing herself. Like, mm-hmm. it's sad. But like, you know, I knew that was go- I knew it was going <laughs> to happen. So I didn't really care that much. But then when Father Marin comes into the picture and he's going up and the mother's just hysterical and he's being really calm and then he just turns around and he's like, what is your daughter's middle name? And she's like, Teresa. And he just says, what a lovely name. And then like shuts the door and like on her. Very disturbing. It got me. I was like, I felt emotions. I was like, oh, I care about you and your daughter. Because like, I didn't know if she was going to make it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I just don't know if I ever got there, which is interesting because like usually I'm the one who is emotionally, overly emotionally invested in pretty much everything. That's true. Like give me a 30 second commercial <laughs> with a cute storyline and I will be... emotionally invested in these people and I'll be crying by the end of it. Yeah, he can't watch Folger commercials. I can't. I can't (laughs) do it. This film really didn't do it for me. I feel like even Karis, who probably got the most character development, I don't think that any of them really became people. I feel like the movie was just like, it was really slow for a really long time and then all of a sudden it was really fast and all you do is see the characters react to things like you see the mom reacting to what's going on with her mother with her daughter and reacting to what the doctors are telling her and you see Karis being like oh my mom's sick and then she's put in an asylum question mark by his brother or I, did, did I, I got kill my mother confused kind of thing? about that 
because honestly, it was I wasn't all confusing. really paying attention because again, I didn't really care. Like they introduce an old lady. I'm like, ah, I get it. She's your Achilles. I don't care. Right. And, but that's kind of, that's kind of like the, the big issue that I had with this film is that I feel like none of the characters are people that I feel like are worth investing yourself in emotionally. It's just the thing that this movie has going for it is the shock and off factor. Yeah. You know, it's got the girl vomiting pea soup. It's got her turning her head around. I think the version you ha- you watched has that extra scene of her walking around like a spider. Oh, my God. Okay. So, <laughs> the spider walk. Are we- I'm going to talk about the spider walk. Okay. Because I didn't see it. I don't I don't know. You haven't seen it at all? No, I've, ne- I've never seen this infamous spider walk. Okay. So, I I did not expect this movie to be scary at all. So, I took some bold steps. You know about this, Chris. I took some bold <laughs> steps. I'm pet sitting right now. I'm in a house that's pretty, very secluded. It's kind of like tucked into the woods. And everything it's just floor to ceiling windows mm-hmm. and i was like it's fine it's just the exorcist everyone says it's cheesy like the main reason i haven't seen it until now is because every time i've tried to watch it everyone's like that movie's stupid so i haven't <laughs> been able to watch it so i was like it's fine i, I had downloaded exorcist i had one two and three i was like i'm just gonna like go through all of these tonight no big deal and so it's dark and i'm in this house with no curtains and then mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. I'm like, this isn't that bad. And then I get to the spider walk. Basically what happens, they added it into like the newer version. It was a like it had been recorded before, but they had used wires that were very visible for and they couldn't edit them out, I guess, in the 70s. So they just cut that whole scene. But it's mm-hmm. in my version. And what it is, is it's her out of nowhere. Just mom's mm-hmm. like, where's my kid? She looks up. She's in a back bend, basically, scrambling down the stairs and then like very fast and then like out of then like just gets to the bottom and just like vomits blood and like screams like a pig. So where in the where in the film does this happen? It's I feel like and that's it it's like the turning point of the whole movie. It's right after Burke is dead. Burke's dead. She's like a little upset about it. Turns oh, around. A little upset about it. She's a little it. upset. She turns around, then she's real upset because her daughter's doing that. What wait, what happens in yours? Um basically Burke dies you think that the movie is going to start picking up and then it kind of doesn't for a little (laughs) bit longer um I mean basically like she just has more thrashing episodes until all of a sudden she's fully possessed with the glowing eyes and the weird scars all over her body and all of this weird stuff and like I think the point the real turning point at least for me, watching the original version was when Dr. Karras, um, doc, not Dr. Karras, but um, Father Karras comes back to the house and the woman who works there, I don't I don't really know what her role I is, but either. she brings him up there and it's all cold and she shows her her bare belly and, you know, you see the words, help me Which I didn't being carved about. into her. I thought it was silly. One, because the words weren't fully there when he gets there and then they become more apparent. It's like, how did this lady see that? Yeah. Why did she call the the priest of all people and not the where was the mother during all of that? She's taking you know, a nap. She's had a very hard day. She's had a hard day. She's had a hard day. <laughs> it's just like it, it was just a lot of scenes like that. I feel like they they led up to the to the actual exorcism by just adding on these little snippet scenes of awful things happening to this girl that weren't necessarily were like, worse they weren't really it wasn't like a crescendo which i was hoping for it was just kind of yeah, like bad thing like stuff happening. big break bad thing normal break bad thing okay i guess we'll actually do a freaking exorcism now right if this happened in real life if these things actually happened to this girl i would have reached demon possession so much faster than they did <laughs> like <laughs> 
and that's the funny part, right? Because, like, I mean, I'm a medical professional. I agree that we should rule out medical and mental etiologies for these kind of things first. Like, don't just assume people are possessed by demons. But when her eyes start glowing... <laughs> And, you know, and when she twists her head 360 degrees, like, I'm sorry, that's a demon. That's, like, <laughs> that's not that's there's no medical explanation for stuff that she did that they were still trying to find a medical explanation. Wait, for. are you telling me epileptics don't spin their head around? <laughs> Fun fact, no matter what your mental condition is, you still have a spine, you know, <laughs> And you can't actually twist your head that all that that far around. It's not actually possible. And they should have realized at that point, and when she changed her voice to a deep, manly, burly, weirdly, like, British man yeah, voice. Yeah, why was it British? I don't know. But it wasn't always British. You know that? <laughs> yes, it wasn't. It, like, turned British. And that was all one voice actor. Really? I thought there were more than one voice actor no. for, for oh. the demon. Okay. Let's go ahead and dive into the story. Of the woman who voiced um, Reagan whenever she gets possessed. Her name is Mercedes McCambridge. And, and she was actually possessed, yes. Yes, correct. She was like okay. a very big name in radio, apparently. And basically, she got, did so much for this role. She was like chain smoking. She literally, her diet was chain. Oh my God. Her diet was cigarettes, raw eggs, and whiskey. Literally. Well, like, you can tell. You can, and it that. shows. And she did all of the voice acting for Reagan. But who's who's the director? Friedkin? Yeah. Yeah. So he, whatever, he was trying, he basically tried to cover up her involvement in it because it really freaked people out to think that this was this little girl doing this voice. So like he even like tried to actively convince journalists. Yes. He tried to actively convince journalists that the demonic voice was actually Linda Blair. McCambridge had to literally demand, she didn't get any screen credit at all. Yeah, no, I remember seeing that when I was looking at, like, the cast list, trying to, like, figure out who Yeah, she's who. not yeah, on there. It says uncredited next to her. Uncredited, yeah. So she's she didn't get credit. And then, of course, the Academy Awards happen. This is the first movie to ever be nominated, the first horror movie to ever be nominated for an Academy Award. Linda Blair gets a nod. She gets a nomination, and she's 15 at the time. And a huge mm-hmm. part of it is because of her acting and her voice acting whenever she was possessed, which is the biggest part of the movie otherwise it's just like kind of it's kind of just her asking for ponies and peeing on stuff more or less more or less and then McCambridge <laughs> has to come forward with like lawyers and be like are you joking because he was this dude is, act- is actually telling people no that's Linda Blair to freak him out and then eventually he had to credit her but she's not credited on like the first like I don't know I don't know how many prints she's not she wasn't credited which is ridiculous, right? Because, I mean, you watch this film, and that's obviously not her voice. It's clearly not her voice. Obviously People not her voice. People are way more gullible in, like, the 70s, I guess. Like, it's cl- Oh, and they use, like, pigs. <laughs> they did recordings of pigs, like, being driven to slaughter for her screams. That's super dark. I don't like that. I don't like that either. <laughs> but, like, who thought that was actually her scream? Like, nobody thought that, did they? But people thought that was her voice. I don't know. Like people, people reported weird stuff happening during showings of this film. You know, like people were acting weird, and I think I I don't know were people just more gullible then. I think so. There was this one dude who saw the movie like during its original release. He fainted, broke his jaw on the seat in front of him. Oh my gosh! And then he sued Warner Brothers and the filmmakers, claiming that the use of subliminal imagery in the film. Is what made him pass out. Actually, though, I think probably one of the scariest parts of the film 
The face was just popping out of the nowhere. The face that just pops out of nowhere. Yeah. That was easily, I think, one of the scariest parts of the film. And it's just because that was when I think they did it really well. Yeah. Like, you truly didn't see it coming. And then you start to wonder, like, was that supposed to be there? It really... You know? like- was that supposed to be in the film? Or is or is the film doing things now? Like, has it taken on a life of its own? Is the demon real? You know, is Linda Blair going to come into my home tonight? Like, Dude, what's that, going on yes. here? Well... If you go back, because I, I saw that and I was like, whoa, that creep. Mm-hmm. That act, that was like my first actual creep of the movie. I was like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I paused it and I looked at the face and it's not scary. It is not a scary face. Right. It's just It like, it's looks just... like like dollar store Dracula paint. It's not a very scary face. <laughs> Actually, it's this woman. Her name is like Eileen Dietz. And they used her as the face in all, all of the monster or whatever, of the demon. Whose name? Yeah. What's the demon's name? I keep wanting to call it Panazaril, but that's not it's what Pazuzu. that is. Pazuzu. Yeah, Pazuzu. the demon's name is Pazuzu, but they never mention that in the movie. They don't either. mention it in the movie. So why do I care what its name is if it's not? I think that must be in the book or something. That because oh, they do maybe, not mention it must that be in the book. Okay. But the the demon himself calls himself the devil, and Doctor Karras is like, oh, that's like kind of a big deal for a demon to actually declare themselves as the devil. I'm like, Karis, what do you know? Yeah. You just said that you didn't it's even believe lying. in this stuff like four seconds ago. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I like my when gosh. he gets kind of shut down by the other dude, by the other priest. He's like, so do you want to do you want to talk about her like story? Like, can I give you a history? And the guy's like, no. He's like, the demon's lying the entire time. Yeah, he's He's been lying. Well, I think there's actually more than one of them. He's like, there's one. There's one, you idiot. (laughs) No, that's not the devil. He's like, I've been to the desert. (laughs) I have been to Mesopotamia. (laughs) I have found a small little face rock. You know nothing. I know things. I have seen (laughs) things, okay? I, I know what's going on. You know that scene where it's like, you can see their breath. Like the help me scene, I think, is when they first do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... They refrigerated that set. Oh, my gosh. That was not an effect. They had four air conditioning units in there. They had it 30 to 40 degrees below zero. And oh, it my was, gosh. It, it literally, at one point, it snowed on set from the humidity. That's wild. All while a child is sitting there, like, in a, in a nightgown. This director is kind of... Uh, he seems kind of like a monster. I wouldn't actually. have let my kid do this movie, but, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is she okay? Linda Blair? Yeah, to have done this role. She's doing great. She's That's she's also great. like a household name. Like everyone knows who Linda Blair is. I definitely don't. You I didn't know remember. who Linda Blair Okay, well Obviously not. I don't oh I don't. God. Well <laughs> you need to Oh my god. Okay. Well, we'll get there. You're new. I'm hopelessly ignorant. Yeah. Well, you're in this club. If you're gonna be in this club, you need to fucking know who Linda Blair is. Duly noted, and I hope everyone listening takes note as well. Take Linda out. Blair. Very yeah. important. Very important. And her mom, her mom's the reason she got that role. Because originally oh they had a short list, which like gross, but they had a short list. <laughs> and on it was the actress from like the, the the original Willy Wonka who played Violet Beauregard, who I would have loved to have seen. And then oh her gosh. mom read the script and was like, uh, hell no. Yeah, like any her. reasonable person right? would have. Took her. But this woman's mom, Linda Blair, her mom actively seeks out the cast members. And they're like, she's like, please can like, like put my daughter in this movie. Like she'll do great, which I guess was a good decision. Like it, like I mean, she did do great. Deal. Except she did get a lot of death threats after this movie. Oh my gosh, why hasn't she been through enough? From rich, <laughs> <laughs> like From, going through this film seems like enough. No, well, like religious zealots thought that she was like, I don't know, 
promoting Satanism. And so she got death threats. Her whole family got death threats. They had to, Warner Bros. had to hire security to follow her around 24-7 for six months after the film was released. This is very, this is more disturbing to me than the movie. It is. Like, that's, that is so messed up. It's messed but, up. Well, and it's, it's weird that people would say that it's a, it promotes Satanism. Because like I was saying before, you know, like the priests are the heroes of the story, right? Yeah. And okay, so I really want to know how the 2000 version ends. Okay. Because I, 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 I I've heard that, the, that it's different. Because I'll just say, so like the 1973 version, the original version, they do the exorcism. It's really intense. I, I will say I think the exorcism itself was fairly well done. I liked it. Um, I liked yeah, it a I lot. Yeah, thought, I thought it was, I mean, it was, it was as convincing as a movie made in 1973 can be. Yeah. It was it was very dark. It was very disturbing. Uh, it's not at all what I think real life exorcisms are like. Obviously, <laughs> because you know, there's obviously like in the, in the film, there's obviously a very powerful demon of some kind. Whereas I I suppose most modern day exorcisms don't involve a demon at all. But typically, yeah, it was very convincing. But the thing that kills me, the thing that gets you about the film, is that the exorcism doesn't work. Right? Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, they take a break. They're like, okay, we'll do this again. They come back. Dr. Karras obviously can't handle it because the demon's pretending to be his mother, which is oh, super Oh, that disturbing. was messed up. Super messed up. And then the the head honcho priest guy, whose name I can't remember now, he comes in. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to do the second round by myself. Obviously a terrible idea. <laughs> Marin, uh, Father Marin. Also, wait, Marin, what, yeah. what pill was he popping? I don't know. He was popping pills the entire film. I... I have no idea what it was. I don't know what it was. I truly have no was idea. Was it a heart I, medication? I don't know. Were they, they trying never ex- to like set that seed whenever they were in Iraq that he like had a heart condition? Because I literally thought he was eating Altoids in the desert for 10 minutes. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I felt right away that it was, oh, he's sick or whatever. But then I was like, oh, maybe he's not sick. Maybe he's possessed by the demon and he just thinks he's sick and he's going to bring it back to America. Again, I was very wrong about how they were going to set up this movie. But so he comes back in and he's like, I'll do it myself. He, the demon obviously kills him. So he's Wait, dead. no, I thought he had a heart attack. We don't see him die in the original version. Oh. Oh. Dr. Karras just comes I'm back in. I'm fairly sure that he had a heart attack. Father Marin is dead. Yeah. And the demon is like I I thought they did. Oh Am gosh. I making this up? I'm pretty confident that he did was like he was acting the... all funny. He went in the bathroom. Did you see him go in the bathroom and take a pill in your version? He was distressed. He goes in the bathroom, he takes another pill, which I I took as like foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, and he Ooh, looked all distressed and stuff. He's not feeling well. This is a lot for his old man heart. And then he takes a pill. He goes in there and he's like leaning on the bed. The girl's not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of like goes out. The way what it shows us is him. He's he's kind of tired. He sits by the bed. He grabs her hand and he starts reading the right again. And then it and then it cuts back to Dr. Karras and then uh, not Dr. I keep saying that. I do. Um, Father Karras comes back into the room and he's just dead. And the demon has broken her straps again and she's sitting over on the bed you know giggling because the priest is dead I, yeah and then dr karis wigs out grabs the little girl starts punching her in the face yeah whoa dude which was super out of nowhere started wailing on her wailing on her and and he's a boxer right like that was that was yeah, his entire was backstory Wait, is like he's they, a boxer didn't she say something about his mom at that point he said stuff about her his mom all throughout the exorcism saying that you know oh your mom you know sucks cocks in hell yeah and, She's, you know, you killed your mother, you left her alone to die. Oh, that's right. She was speaking as her mother. And she was like, you killed your mother, you left her alone to die. 
Right, right, right. And that's when he had it was super issues. sick, super disturbing, like the psychological. Well, that's on what the I side. liked. I liked that though. I felt like that was like some of the most meat we had seen. I agree. I think movie. that was. I think the entire exorcism was the most, you know, meaningful part. If that's how you're yeah. going to say it, it was. It was the only part of the film that I felt like, okay, this is what I expected this film to be, and it just took forever for us to get there. It took forever, <laughs> you know. But so he wails on her, and then he does something really weird. You know, he he tells the demon. So here, hey, everybody, this is the end of the film. Sorry about it. Uh, <laughs> he tells the demon, hey, take me. Don't take the little girl. Take me. Because he, he, at this point, he's like, I have nothing left to lose. I basically killed my mother. Did they explain what how she died? No, she just died. Okay. We have no idea. She was in that asylum type place, and then she died. Okay. Which I don't... I, I still don't understand, like, what was even wrong with her. Like, she was I, sick, obviously, but she obviously she didn't had, belong like, a in a mental institution injury. either. I, I was very it. confused. Yeah, well, and the, I think it was the brother who put her there and was like, oh, well, we can we can put her in a hospital with money that we don't have, or we can put her in this asylum for free. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know how she died, but... So then the demon does it. He comes into Dr... Uh, nah. He comes into Father Karras, leaving the little girl, and then Father Karras is like, oh, taken over by the demon. And he's like, no, he overpowers it. And then he jumps out the window himself mm-hmm. and like does a somersault across. Like basically, uh, it's so weird that they believe that um, Kirk, the guy who had died before, jumped out of the window, um, jumped out of the window and then ended up at the bottom of the staircase. With his head significant distance. Yeah. Well, There's a significant difference between the staircase and the window. I think that they, they tried to adjust that, I think, for the remake. Okay. They try to adjust for it, and they add another wing, I think. I was oh. reading about it, because I didn't really pick up on it when I was watching it, but they were like, yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. He would have to, like, f- like fly with yeah, wings. Yeah, it really didn't make any sense. But yeah, I think that they caught that before the, re- the remastered version. Right. They, yeah. So they know. Right. They know. And, they so, know then, and so then and so then, Father Karras dies at the end. Yes. Another priest comes along, gives him his last rites and everything, which was super disturbing. And- but wouldn't why would he do his last rites if he was possessed? Is it because it was like early stage possession? Well, I think because he needs his last rites. But why would he agree you know, to that general? if he was possessed? Well, I don't know if he was at that point. Yeah. Because right? like, he was just moving his hands, right? He was like bleeding. His brain was on the, you know, on the ground, essentially. Yeah. Like he was essentially dead. Like, and he just a little bit of motor function showing that he was obviously still a little bit alive. But so I don't know if the demon was still in him or not. I assume. They left that kind of ambiguous. I, no, I assume that. The, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But in any event, like, it's a really dismal end to the film, right? Like, the little girl ends up fine, which you sort of expect to happen. But I the was priests, hoping she, yeah. Was the priests lose, right? I mean, yeah. No, Dr. I thought Carrot, it was a win. Father, I thought it was a win for them. I mean, he gets the demon out, but, like, he didn't, they didn't succeed yeah, you're right. in the exorcism, right? Like, he only succeeded in getting the demon out by, for some reason, convincing the demon to come into him and then killing himself. And I'm very confused why the demon would even agree like, why did the demon come into Father Karras? Maybe she was almost done with that host. Like, maybe, like, Reagan was almost dead. Because she made that comment, or the demon, I don't, I don't know, it made that comment whenever Father Karras was first talking to it and mm-hmm. was like... Yeah, I, I'll stay in the, I'll stay in this host until she's rotting or whatever. That, yeah, that. And even before that, he she also says, it's a, it's a lovely day for an exorcism. And he's like, well, that doesn't make sense because then you won't be in there. And she's like but we'll be together yeah I, yeah it it definitely gives you the impression from yeah from that conversation that the demon thinks he, he's gonna end up in father Karras yeah. one way or the other yeah but i don't know it just it was kind of, it was a dismal ending which i think was appropriate is that where it ended for you yeah that I mean, was the father last Karras scene dies not it wasn't the last oh, scene because okay. then you see you know the little girls fine and whatever and they leave as 
as they should, and the little girl doesn't remember anything, which is ideal because she would never be a normal person. I feel like this. she's lying. I feel like you have to remember it. I agree, dude. I'd lie. I'd be like, I no, I don't know. I didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I thought that it was going to end with the other priest who like. Marin? The little girl kisses in the end. No, the the one who was still alive, the one who gave the last rites. I thought he was going to end up having the demon in him. I w- I thought that the demon was going to like transfer to him during the last rites. I was disappointed you know? that it didn't. And then it was going to be in him, and they didn't do that. But well, it sounds like the, I don't know. These had just, the same ending. Then did it end differently for you? No. Well, like it's just that, and then that dude, the other priest. Because I, the last I just rites. heard that like it's a more optimistic ending. Is it? It's just like the like the huh. only thing that sounds different is we have a scene at the like tagged at the very end where he is speaking to the officer, I guess, the police officer, and then they go get lunch. Roll credits. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Did that happen in yeah. yours? I don't remember. I don't think so. Mm. That was the other thing though, like that whole um researching Kirk's murder and the police officer bit, like his entire storyline was completely unnecessary to me. Yeah, I didn't care. Like, I- it didn't do anything for, for the film. It didn't. Well, uh, I, I kind of see what they were saying because maybe there were still people who were like, oh, okay, cool. So we fell out the window and he's dead. Because they didn't really illustrate that, no, like his head was turned around and then he was pushed out of window. And I think that was mm-hmm. his whole role. I think that it didn't need to be the 20 minutes or whatever that it was. But I think that that led into the scene, the like really, really important and very famous scene where her head spins around. Because that's what she's saying. Right. She like spins her head around and she's like, do you know what your daughter did? Right. Exactly. Right. And, but I think that's all it needed to be. Like, I don't think we needed to watch them try to investigate Kirk's murder beyond that. Because all it did was point out, you know, oh, yeah, she did it. It was, it was, it was it as was if very... they were trying to point out, like, look, this was obviously foul play. Yeah. In case you missed it, the girl probably killed the guy. But we we already knew that. Like, we knew the second he was dead that it was her, you mm-hmm. know? Like, we didn't need that entire subplot, and I thought it was just really super unnecessary. We, well, I think that, I think a better way of doing it would be instead of the mom coming home and being like, where's Burke? And that guy being like, oh, you haven't heard. He's super dead. Because that seemed very fast that, like, word has already traveled that he's dead, and it happened, like, within the last three hours. I think a better thing to do would be, like, police officers show up. They're like, we need to investigate the fact that there's a body with a head spun around. We need we need to talk about that. And then right. and then being like, there this doesn't make any sense. And then that 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 would have been easy. And then she would have spider walked down the hallway or down the stairs and it would have been like, Oh, she did it. Like very clear. Oh, she's obviously possessed by a demon. Yes, like, clear. Done. Let's get that exorcism going, people. Yeah, I don't know. I just think again, like the entire lead up to the exorcism was really disjointed to me. It was, it was disjointed. And, and, it's, and it's weird because like I read all these critical reviews and so many people like are like basically worshiping these film editors on their feet saying like, oh, they did such a good job making it so fast paced. You know, that you movie don't have was time two to... and a half hours almost. Yeah. And I, I don't think it was fast paced at all. You know, I don't I think that the entire first, you know, almost two hours of the movie were essentially unnecessary. I agree. Like, <laughs> like you needed a little bit, but I think you could have gotten everything that they did in their background in 45 minutes tops and had the same effectiveness. Like, cut out the Iraq business at the beginning. That told us nothing. Mm-hmm. Other than giving us the statue with the giant erection, which then re-shows up in the exorcism. It's like, oh, is that the demon? I mean, it must be, right? The demon must be that 
you know, Pazuzu must be that statue demon from it. Yeah, that's from Mesopotamia. But they don't explain it. They like what, they don't explain that like, at all. Why is it like? How is Father Marin connected to this? Like, does he feel responsible? Like, is it his fault? Like, did he bring something back? It doesn't. It's so. It doesn't. Unless I missed something huge, it doesn't explain why this little girl got possessed by this Ouija board. Right, and like, and they barely even talk about the Ouija board. Like, it just they it's don't one little scene it, yeah. where she's like, oh, yeah, I'm playing with a Ouija board, and she talks about this guy who she's, like, Mr. Howdy, Captain Howdy, Captain Howdy. Yeah, Captain Howdy. And, but then, and they try to bring that back up when the hypnotist is, like, talking to the little girls, like, is it Captain Howdy who's in here? Yeah. And she said no. She said no. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but Pazuzu and Captain Howdy just seem like different people to me. I don't think Captain Howdy would do this. I don't <laughs> I think, think, I don't think that. Pazuzu would allow himself to be called Captain Howdy. Maybe that's why she's possessed. He was livid. She's like, that what she did you just call Captain me? <laughs> He's like, I am a demon from Babylon, honey. I have seen some stuff. You okay. Ca- are you Captain Howdy? Are you like, okay, oh, Captain move Howdy. Aside. You're so silly. Move aside. I'm coming in. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really, really ridiculous. But, I, I will say, I think as far as accuracy of the film, I thought that the exorcism itself was really, really fascinating to watch I from a religious it. perspective. Yeah. Not only like was the special effects probably the best part of the movie, like I do think that was the most convincing part of the movie, but I liked that they didn't just willy-nilly perform like a crucible-esque exorcism where it's just people, you know, shouting nonsense. Like they actually used the actual right rite of exorcism, mm-hmm. right? Which is super cool of them not i mean not that it's hard to get a hold of you know yeah and 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 like and you briefly alluded to it earlier like you know the catholic church rewrote the rite of exorcism yeah. back in 1999 and they changed a lot of the regulations about it and you know you have to go through those steps to make sure that it's truly a demon not like a health problem before you can do it but yeah. i i do think it was interesting that they followed you know a real script for exorcism well you know they they had like basically a consultant which is oh my gosh why don't they have films they do had that a priest. anymore yeah so they had like they had a technical advisor his name was reverend thomas birmingham and basically <laughs> the the freaking director creepy friedkin friedkin creepy man right. calls this guy and is like thank you for your help would you come exercise this set <laughs> what yes and this reverend's like he refused he's like no that's gonna freak people out dude there's nothing to be exercised so instead he came he visited the set and he gave a blessing and a talk oh, that's the appropriate choice that's like mm, that's what you should have done not this this director is like a creep oh my doing this film must have been so disturbing like i think filming this film would have been more disturbing than watching it back then um you know? yeah well, they, like, he ref- not despite the content and the content being creepy, despite the vomit and the gross special effects, even despite having it, the set refrigerated with you inside of it. Mm-hmm. Also, there are firearms. He brought guns. I am so disturbed by everything about what happened in this film, <laughs> in the making of it, in the pro- in the product of it, the story behind in- it. Every everything about this is so disturbing to me more so than the actual movie itself watching the movie honestly i thought it was going to be a lot worse i'm basically the biggest scaredy pants any of you have ever met and this this movie wasn't the scariest thing in the world to me no it's not the scariest thing in the world it definitely disturbed me like you said though that's a really good word for what it does like 
I was like, I felt like I was cruising along fine. And then she walked backwards on the stairs and vomited blood and screamed like a pig. And I was like, I'm done. And I took a break. <laughs> yeah. I, I just felt gross afterwards. Yeah. You I feel felt gross. assaulted. I felt like kind of sticky. I don't know. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like this movie had insulted my fundamental human character. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like, this movie is everything that I don't stand for. <laughs> and then it just like, washed over me and it was very aggressive and you know after this movie that like the biggest effect it had other than you know grossing people out and making people go to the hospital oh also did you know it was banned in parts of the uk not even surprised it was banned but other than all of that it the biggest effect that people saw like i was reading about i can't i mean it's not directly connected but i was reading about exorcism in the catholic church and basically the reason why they revised the right of exorcism is because in the mid-70s they saw a huge rise in people requesting exorcisms. I wonder not, why. Not yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. But then, like, the church got very public because, you know, these were very, very old, like, doctrines. They were from, like, how I don't know how old. Like, 1614 is whenever the first official exorcism guidelines were established. The Vatican then was, like, in the, in the 90s, in 99, when the demand kept going up, which in the 90s, they think the demand, the reason the demand shot up again is because of drug and alcohol abuse. And everyone, oh my was, yeah, and everyone was requesting all these exorcisms. And so the church basically stepped forward and they're like, okay, we want to help you. Cool. Glad you're reaching out. You need to talk to many doctors and many psychiatrists before you talk to one of us. But they still have one person in every diocese that is trained in exorcism. So it's still going on, but they're very, very on board. Oh, yeah. From what I can see, the Vatican's very on board with like, we need to eliminate any suspicion of mental illness. Which actually impressed me. Yeah, which is very appropriate. And, and you know what? The Catholic Church, time and time again, has impressed me, at least in recent years, as far as, like, mm. um, th- I think there's an increasing openness about science and such in the in the Catholic community in particular. I would not say that about every sect of Christianity, uh, but I think Catholicism is actually getting I think the new Pope is really on. cool. I'll agree with you there. He... He's phenomenal. Whenever Everyone he was like, him, dogs go great. to heaven, I'm like, all right, like, I like you. But <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> it's all it took. And I want and I want to be on board. And I want to think that they're not crazy. Not that Catholic, not that Catholicism is crazy, but I want to think that exorcism isn't crazy. I'm like, OK, that's what they believe. That's cool. And then, like, I read about, mm-hmm. you know, they're hiding up all this, like, child molestation. Sure. We will event that will eventually happen. I I'm, came I'm in no definitely doubt. with a bias. And I was like, oh, I bet that, like, like the Catholic church had a field day with this movie and they were like no like this isn't indicative of an actual exor- like this isn't real guys this isn't real so i was impressed right 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 well and well and what was interesting to me though is like you know they do have all those regulations you have to get church approval to do an exorcism yeah, and i do. thought the when dr Ka- uh i did it again when father Karis comes and says oh i want to do like uh, we should probably do an exorcism on this girl the priest who he's talking to is like well do you honestly think she's possessed and father Karis said maybe you know he didn't ha- he he honestly didn't seem convinced even though he had some pretty significant evidence like the fact that she could speak latin and yeah. a variety of other romance languages that she could never speak for blah 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 and the other priests were like okay let's do it let's get yeah. that guy back here from from iraq let's let's <laughs> he bring knows him back Pazuzu. he knows what to do <laughs> and so like i actually thought they were mu- much more open to doing it than i thought they were going to be especially considering that father Karis wasn't wasn't Mm-hmm. But so I started looking into that. I was like, well, I know exorcism used to be a big thing in the church. Um, and I know that it's not anymore, but I was looking into it and 
I found this guy, Gabriel Armoth, Amorth, Amorth, Gabriel Amorth, who was a Roman Catholic priest who was born in 1925, apparently, and he actually died just in 2016. And he was doing exorcisms up until pretty much when he died. He did over 160,000 exorcisms in his lifetime. And in recent years, you know, like he was doing them. Yeah. Well, after this movie came out and before that. And it's just really, really fascinating reading about all the exorcisms that this man has done. And he did, you know, he did, you know, over at least over 160,000 exorcisms in the course of his entire ministry as a as a priest. And they lasted from some of them were several minutes. Some of them were several hours long. You know, some people, apparently some individuals needed, you know, hundreds of exorcisms just themselves. Wow. Well, and apparently, and apparently he was fairly outspoken about his beliefs about demonic presence and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, he was alive in the early 1900s. And he said that he believed that many members of the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler himself were actually possessed by the devil. Oh. Which, I mean, I have problems with That's just because, theory. like, I don't know, it's kind of a cop-out. Like, let's just yeah, call, it let's, is. Let's I'm call like, Hitler no, who he is. let's not give him a... <laughs> let's not <laughs> blame not a, get a pass. Yeah, let's not say, oh, he was just possessed by a uh, demon. I'm sure Pazuzu. he was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little disrespectful to what the Nazi everybody did. Yeah, pretty much everybody. <laughs> um, but he was, I don't know, he's kind of a really fascinating guy. And to think that this person who had done so many exorcisms in his life literally died, you know, two years ago, it's kind of mind boggling. So I think there's definitely is like some People sect still of doing the it. church who are actively pursuing exorcism as a legitimate, you know, religious right and and it's it's considered sacramental by the catholic church it's not like one of the sacraments yeah but it's still something that is on some spiritual level highly regarded by essentially all christians and 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 that goes you know back to the bible and here's a fun fact everyone i'm weirdly religious (laughs) (laughs) and i am definitely not and kate's definitely not and you know that's just one of the many things that we differ on and that's fine but, you know, it's just another thing that's kind of peculiar about me, like a cancer biologist, veterinarian who's also religious. Anyways, you know, the Bible talks about exorcism, but not in the way that Catholicism talks about exorcism. You know, like yeah. Catholicism has this whole right, you know, it's like it's literally a script that you follow for exorcism. It's it's this whole ritualistic process. And literally in the Bible, exorcisms in the Bible are just jesus or the apostles saying hey demon get out of him and go come on go get out of here you know get get go get get." like (laughs) that's literally what exorcism is in the bible is just jesus seeing someone possessed and is like hey demon you don't belong there you don't belong get on out of here so how about the power of christ compels you so they said that so many times that is like the line for the movie right like that's what everyone knows like the power of christ compels you and he's like splashing her with holy water that actually isn't in the right you know that was that was just for the movie that's not something that you say so that originates from the exorcist i presume so right like that's not something that's in the script that's not something that you do in an exorcism in the right yeah it's not something that's from the bible although so it depends on which religious sect you look at. So Catholicism is probably the big one if you're going to talk about exorcism. But like non-Catholic Protestant denominations of Christianity still have their own beliefs about exorcisms. And some oh of them gosh. are more likely to do it than others. You know, like Lutherans, I think, have this whole setup as well where there is like they have their own script for 
how to do an exorcism and they have their own list of criteria of, you know, what, what determines whether someone is demonically possessed or not. And, you know, Oriental Orthodoxy, Pentecostals, Methodists, they all have their own set of criterion and their own way of performing an exorcism. But I think mm-hmm. that Catholics are who, who everyone thinks about one, because they're easily the largest sect of Christianity. Yeah. And two, because, you know, of this movie. So I honestly think that people have a... So, like, while at the same time, I think it's really cool of them that they use the actual script for exorcism, they also definitely lead people to think that exorcism is something a lot more dramatic than it actually is. Well, that's fair. Which which makes sense. It's a movie. What? (laughs) This didn't happen? You just told me this is a real story. Don't go backing up on me now. All right, we got to back up. I got to explain from the beginning. But it is interesting that you talk about... It's not just the church who has these opinions these like fundamental beliefs in like the power of exorcism. Like, like I told you about Dr. Gallagher, Mm -hmm. this is a medical doctor. Like he's one, like he's one, like there's for every one of him, there's like 80 doctors who are like, we didn't talk to him in school. He's weird. (laughs) He, he is like, he has been involved. He's basically the go-to guy for like exorcisms in the United States. He very much believes demonic possession is real and mm-hmm. he's, like, really respected by the church. Um, a lot of it is because he has so much faith because he is Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is, he calls himself a man of science. Like, that's, like, his big line is, like, I'm, I'm on the side of science. I'm a man of science. And he, like, literally says, I don't follow this stuff because I'm Catholic. I try to follow the evidence. And so he feels like there is evidence, hard scientific medical evidence of these possessions and he, there's a, a whole story which I want to I want to post somewhere so people can read it. It's really that, long. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because he like got into it because there was like a woman who was like a satanic priestess basically, and he like formed a connection with her and like kept trying to help her. And like yeah, she I think was like, I know a woman. her. Yeah, yeah, she's really cool. I think she works down at Walgreens. Yeah, we we do brunch. We do brunch. She basically was like this woman who was called herself a satanic priestess and was like, uh, I love Satan, but maybe like he's in me and I don't know if I want him in me anymore. So she had this, like, on-and-off relationship with Dr. Gallagher for, like, exorcisms. Very interesting, but too much to talk about. Well, yeah, and that's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know, like, instantly made me think about this weird, like, it's like an urban legend, right, where, like, demons can possess people, but the devil can't. Like, the devil has to ask permission, right? Exactly. To to possess someone. So, like, I don't know. I don't know know what what to say about any of that. But I do think it's interesting that he would say that, you know, he's a man of science, and I believe that there's evidence for for demonic possession and stuff like that. And and the reason I find that interesting is because, I mean, I would also consider consider myself, you know, a scientist, you know, truly. Yes. Um, but I'm also religious. But I would also say that I think it would be wrong of him to say what he says, just because I don't think that there can be scientific evidence for demonic possession, you know? No. Like, you can have a person who's displaying the things that are classically, you know, demonic possession or what have you, and maybe you can't find a medical explanation for it. But the lack of... Can you imagine the rats in that? Like control study. Oh my god! Literally, it's we're impossible. gonna possess these rats. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna possess these people, and we're gonna have some controls who are not possessed but are mentally these ill. These are knockout soul mice. They don't have a soul. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like so. I mean, you can't study that, right? You can't develop evidence for demonic possession because you know science is the observation of the natural world, and demons are obviously inherently supernatural. So, I I, I think it's ridiculous to say that there's evidence or a scientific backing for. Any of these things, what, you know, ridiculous. God, angels, demons, demonic possession, any of that. Like, I don't believe in scientific evidence for God. 
even though I am both a scientist and a Christian, you know, like, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive, but I don't think, I don't think science can approach those questions. You know, I don't think science can disprove and certainly can't prove what what religion claims, you know, any religion. I agree. So I think it's ridiculous for him to go there. I think he's a ridiculous human being from everything (laughs) I've read, just in general. I also think that whenever people who are like scientists or at least he's he's literally a doctor, but people who are even self-proclaimed medical professionals, whatever, who Mm -hmm. are, you know, saying there's a basis, a scientific basis for these things, I think that they are actively doing harm, in my opinion. I think it's really harmful and you okay you might not be familiar you know the story you've heard of the movie the exorcism of emily rose yeah i have yeah i've obviously not seen it oh obviously and i'm honestly i'm not going to talk too much about it because i want us to watch it i've never seen it either but basically there is a real emily rose her name was annalise michelle she was a victim of basically like the most notorious cases of like contemporary exorcism ever where basically she was very, very sick. She was a sick woman, German Catholic woman, and she died of starvation in 76 after she had 67 exorcisms over a period oh of nine gosh. months. She had been diagnosed with epilepsy, but she was she believed that she was possessed. And her parents and the two priests who did all these exorcisms, they were found guilty of negligent homicide. They were put on trial for murder. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she already had a medical diagnosis. She had a medical diagnosis. and But if, but even if she didn't, mm-hmm. like, it like it makes me really grit my teeth whenever I see people who have, like, DR in front of their name saying things like this Gallagher dude is saying. It's I'm like, okay, cool. You think you're a hero, but you're probably not helping those people because, you know, demons aren't in them. And you're also actively hurting people with your words because people who are going to follow that and say, yeah, there's science. Yeah. And and it's like you said before, I'm like really impressed and I guess proud of the Catholic church for saying, Hey, we're not going to give you the right to do an exorcism unless you can prove that there is not a medical explanation for what's going on here, you know? And, and I agree. Like, I do think it's harmful for people to say things like there's scientific evidence for demonic possession, because I think that's inherently ridiculous. And I don't think, as as someone who like simultaneously believes in science and you know is reasonably skeptical but more or less believes that demons could be real i don't think that it's appropriate to give people that as just an option for oh this explains what i'm going through and that's going to be my first route of action for for yep. handling it right cuz yep. i i agree like obviously you can kill people that way and even if you don't die that way like you're not getting the help that you need for whatever the actual problem is you know and chances are, even even if demonic possession is very real, even if things like this are really happening, I guarantee the vast majority of cases are not real, you know? Yeah. Even if there are real cases, I'm convinced that at least the majority of supposed cases aren't real. So I think it, so I agree. Are you, I think it's are definitely you of, Are you of the belief that there are rare occasions of possession? Because I am firmly not of that belief. I mean, I'm going to... So. I'm going to cop out of that one and say that obviously I'm not going to say that I do because I've never seen it. Right. Like I've never interacted with a scenario where I would be like able to be convinced one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say that because I don't like I don't feel like I have a burden of proof there. I think that it could happen. And just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it isn't happening. 
And just because it could be happening doesn't mean it is. You know, I'm, I I feel like I have a skepticism about it, but I'm not just going to say that what people believe isn't real. And as far as whether or not demons exist, I, I personally feel like I think that they do. Whether you interpret that as demons, as in like inherent flaws in human character, like people have demons in a metaphorical sense, what have you, or whether or not they exist in real life, I don't really know. I will say, though... Um, when I was a kid, I have this weird story. Ooh, weird story. Where when when I was a child, um, I was deathly afraid of the dark. Shocker, right? Um, I I could not fall asleep in the dark. I I lived in an attic, so my house. I, I lived in the middle of the woods in this little town, Rhododendron, Oregon. If you've been there, holla! But you probably haven't because it's <laughs> literally haven't. in the middle of nowhere. Um, Rhododendron, Oregon. I lived in this little cabin, which is now like a, just a cabin for skiers who go up onto Mount Hood. Um, It was this little A-frame metal roof. And I lived in the attic, literally an unfinished attic, cobwebs on the ceiling, you know, a door that led to nowhere. If you opened it, you would just fall to your death. And then like the big black cast iron chimney thing that led from the fireplace down below. Like, no wonder I'm scared of everything and horror films aren't my thing. I grew up in a horror film. Yeah, you definitely did. And like, I loved where I grew up. I loved the woods and everything. But this is a very scary place. And when I was a kid, you know, I, I just one night I had this interaction. Interaction's a strong word. I, I don't know. I felt like I saw someone. Huh. And mind you, I am afraid of the dark. Could have been a shadow. Could have been anything. But I, I felt... This is such a ridiculous story. Oh, my God. People are going to say I'm not a scientist. I am, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I, was, I was sitting there in bed. It was one of my better nights, actually. I was like... My head was outside of the covers, which was a big deal. <laughs> you didn't like have a snorkel. Give <laughs> didn't, air. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I did that. Don't even joke. I literally did that. <laughs> did I had it? a snorkel because I was terrified. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> even after watching Jurassic Park once, I was like, ah, raptors. So I had to like, cover my face. So <laughs> Raptors in the A-frame. <laughs> raptors in the A-frame. The next big Hollywood horror film. <laughs> it's like snakes on a plane. Oh my God. So I felt like it was more of like a presence. You know, like, you know, when you can feel like someone's watching you, you know, yeah. and you know that someone's watching you yeah, and usually, usually they're not. Usually you're just like, yeah, <laughs> usually <laughs> it's your dog. Usually it's my rabbit. Usually it's, you know, whatever. But I remember just feeling like I was being observed, which is ridiculous because like I'm afraid of the dark and it's probably just that. But it was more than that. It, it felt like I was like I felt hated, you know. Which was weird because, like, I'm a little kid. I've never experienced negative human emotion before. I was literally the happiest little kid you could have met in your entire life. But, like, I felt despised. Like, I felt like this pit in my stomach. And I was like, someone out there doesn't like me. A lot. A lot. And then I just remember seeing, like, this figure, you know. And for most of my adult life, I excused it. It's like, oh, my father's wetsuit, because, like, we scuba dive and stuff, was hanging in the room next door. Like, maybe I just saw the outline of that or the shadow of that or something. But I've never really been able to convince myself that that's true. Mm. Like, to this day, I still feel like there was someone in that room with me. And it happened more than once. Like, it happened that night. And then throughout my entire life, like, every few months or whatever, like, I had this exact same experience. I would wake up. Or usually I, I couldn't fall asleep. And then I would, like, I would have a panic attack, right? And this and this this happens. This has happened every year of my entire life, including this year, like it's already happened this year where I've like been sitting in my bed and I have an outright panic attack in the middle of the night 
and I feel like someone's there. So whether or not I believe demons are real, I pretty sure I feel like I've just confessed that I do. But <laughs> I feel like you have. I feel like I you. Feel, I feel like you I want f- to not, but you did. I want to not, but like I feel like I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say that it is for sure a demon is probably. I have a very active imagination, so I'm not going to say that it's real. But I'm just going to say that when people tell me that they believe in something like that, you empathize. I, I'm not going to judge them for it, right? Okay. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna say, you know what? Maybe it is real. Because I don't know. Because you just don't know. Because you just don't know. And I definitely had a demon in my bedroom when I was a child. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. But mm, See, it's, I don't know. I, that, you know what? I'm not going to take that from you. I'm going to let you have that. That was your experience. I can't interpret that for you because I was not there. I will, I will just say, I, I, like the whole time I hear stories about that, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there's the, it could be this, this, this. Like my mind is very much making a list of things that it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, mine, mine too. Yours is too. Yours is too. But like I like you still hold on to that little nugget of. What if it wasn't? What if it wasn't? That little supernatural nugget. You keep that Mm. in your pocket, which I I like it. I admire it. I think that's cool. (laughs) You admire it. it. I admire it. So we're going to wrap this up because it's been a while. So we're going to wrap this up. So the way we're going to do wrap ups in our club is we're going to get an overall rating um, and then we're going to rank it on a big scoreboard. So we're, as we get new movies, we're going to slot them either like higher or lower than the other ones we've seen. Um, right. right. Congratulations so, so, to The Exorcist because you're number one. You're number one right now and you do not deserve it. You do not deserve this slot. <laughs> you will I not almost want to put a gap. <laughs> I, <you> know. <laughs> Exorcist, number two. Number two. Number one best movie. Nothing. <laughs> holding. We're just holding it for the next one because it's going to go in there. Yeah, I just, I really, I really want to convey people, this movie wasn't that great. But you should still watch it. You should still watch it for, like, sentimental value or something. It's worth watching. And it, like, honestly, it did creep me out. So, like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's garbage. I think it's worth watching. There are parts I genuinely appreciated. It doesn't deserve to be number one. So we're going to, we're just going to say it's number one. This is going to be the quickest argument over this we will have in any of these episodes. Yeah, because from now on, we're going to have to, like, fight. Argue we're going yeah. to set, like, 30 minutes at the end of each episode to just fight. <laughs> yeah. We'll try okay. not to actually do that. We'll we get. We'll keep will. it short. We'll probably will. Probably will. Okay. So this is number one. That was The Exorcist. Um, that's our club. If you're interested in joining our club, then it's really easy. You just click the subscribe button and you follow us week to week as we explore all things horror. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll be sharing cool trivia, psychoanalyzing movies all week long. Yeah, and and if you want to check in every week, we're going to have a weekly meeting where we talk about a different movie. And if we're not talking about a movie that you want to hear about, or a movie that you really love, or a movie that you really hate, let us know. You know, yeah. and we we're, we're happy to watch anything. Really, yeah. We have an email address. It is nightlighthorrormovieclub at gmail and if you enjoyed this podcast, that hopefully means that there are others out there like you who would also enjoy it. So help people find it. Um, just rate and review the show on iTunes. Those people will appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. And you'll feel really good about yourself. You'll feel so good about yourself. Better than if you had just watched The Exorcist, I guarantee it. Yeah, that'll just make you feel wet and gross. Any last words? Yeah, I think we should have daiquiris next time we do this. I agree. Oh, well, and the reason I say that, actually, one last fun story is that my... <laughs> My mother, when she watched this film, the first time she went and saw this in the theaters, 
they left and they went to this party at some guy's house who had already seen the movie and they all drank frozen green daiquiris that looked exactly like the girl's vomit. <laughs> and I don't know why we didn't do that today, but... Oh, we should have themed snacks and we'll just eat them into the microphone. If you have recommendations for People themed snacks, please that. let us know. What do you want to hear us slurp on in your ear? <laughs> Probably nothing. <laughs> understandably all right well Well, thank you so much for listening and next week we are covering the new modern horror movie creep so make sure you want to watch that before you listen to our podcast next week because we will have spoilers we will see you next week this concludes this week's meeting see you next time see ya